0: Today's episode is brought to you by Duke City Story Slam. Listen, you wanna get out of the house for a little bit? Maybe take your partner on a date, but do something a little bit different? I have just the thing for you folks in Albuquerque, Duke City Story Slam. Duke City Story Slam is Albuquerque's only storytelling competition where you get to hear real life stories from real life people in the community in a fun and friendly environment every other month. And good news, the next Story Slam event is being held Tuesday, November 14th at 6 p.m. at Canteen Brewhouse, the official home of DCSS. Canteen Brew House has some of the best beers in the city. The Picos Trail Brown is my personal favorite. And they have a food menu that perfectly hits the spot every time. So you have no excuses not to visit. So get from behind your desk. Grab a friend and do something different this fall. The next Duke City Story Slam event is happening Tuesday, November 14th at Canteen Brewhouse, located at 2381 Aztec Road, Northeast, Albuquerque, New Mexico. A $5 donation is requested, but money is no objection. They want to see more of the community represented. So if money is a barrier, just mention this ad and they've got you covered. Check the link in the show notes to visit the website. Welcome in everyone to another episode of the Nonprofit Insider Podcast. So excited to have you back. We are now in October. It's fall, even though here in Albuquerque, I think it was like 89 degrees is the high. So it's hot here, but it was just in Seattle not long ago. Had a really great Really great vacation out there, being out in the Pacific Northwest, super funny, living out there from 2010 to 2013. You go back, it feels the same and yet oddly so different. So I'll I'll talk about some of my adventures from uh, that area probably on the next episode. We'll get a chance to talk about that on the October 25th release. But we are in fall. The weather is good. Things are good. Hopefully you're safe, feeling good, not getting sick or anything like that, because I know I had a 101 fever Earlier in the week, and I kind of still feel a little bit, right? Like, oh, my, oh. <laughs> but we, this is a very special episode. We have our first official sponsor. You heard that at the beginning. Shout out to Duke City Story Slam. Be sure to come out to that. We'd love to see you there. And we have our first ever guest on the podcast. We have Emily Cronin coming up here in about six, seven minutes. That'll be exciting. Uh, she has a nonprofit horror story. This one is, this is definitely going down in the history books for us here on the, on the Nonprofit Insider Podcast. Be sure to listen to some of our previous episodes. Check out some of the things we've done. Follow us on Instagram. I, I still haven't produced any TikTok videos. You can follow me on TikTok. I'm going to get around to it, I promise, but you know how I am. I like to move at a good pace and I'm going to deliver, I'm going to deliver to you, right? But I got the handle, if nothing else. So be sure to follow us on Instagram. we got some great things going on there. I'm not going to do too much to start because I want to get straight to that interview. It's going to be a solid 20, I think it's 25 minutes. I think you're going to really like this interview. Emily is perfect on the mic. She works with a great nonprofit here in the Albuquerque area. So what a good time to have her on as our first guest. I do want to do a little bit of a news segment here. You know, it's super funny. I know it was like maybe 2012, 2013. I think it was the Susan G. Komen Breast Cancer Organization, right? They were putting pink ribbons on everything. Cereal boxes, uh, technology, tires, iPhone cases, because I think iPhones were really starting to be a thing. They were putting pink on everything. And like with anything, a little fatigue started to set in. It was kind of known as pink washing. And I remember hearing about one story where they put their signature pink on the drill bits that are used in fracking. I'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, you're definitely going to check that out. And them getting a lot of pushback because they were putting pink on so many things. It was kind of like, you're just at this point, you're just doing it to be doing it. And it kind of feels like that you're seeing a little bit of that in the climate change arena. We've been talking about this for years in terms of greenwashing. And look, I'm not in the climate space or climate change space. I don't know as much about it compared to some other leaders. So I got to defer and take a step back and let the leaders that are really doing work in that space really have the limelight. But one of the things I saw not long ago was on the nonprofittimes.com. They do some really good stuff. And they don't have a paywall unlike some of the others, which I really appreciate. They said that nonprofits in the United States are spending roughly $8 billion and $9 billion annually on programs and activities related to climate change. And it came under this 29-page report called Mapping Nonprofit Spending on Climate Change. If you get a chance... Check it out. I think the study was provided by Climate Works Foundation of San Francisco. And in this report, they basically talk about where the money's being spent, what the percentages are. Is it being spent in the U.S.? Is it being spent outside the U.S.? And what the money that's being used for for nonprofits in the climate space and really how it's being used. And look, like I said, I don't really spend a lot of my Focus on climate change in terms of like I know that it's real and I know that it's going to affect a lot of people. My, my, my insights into it are just not as big as others. But the one thing is super clear. The, the, the wash, the runoff that comes from climate change really not only affects people, and it affects the people first and foremost because we all live on this planet together as one community, even though we can be divided at times. But nonprofits tend to be at the forefront of a lot of the the ramifications that really come with climate change. I know this working in the nonprofit space for so long. There are a lot of individuals that are in housing in parts of Florida. There are many nonprofits that are part of zoning laws, food production, uh, flood prevention that affects parts of the southeast, the southwest. I mean, we're seeing it with wildfires that are affecting more and more areas than ever before. Uh, more droughts here, but more rain over there. It's just, it's just wild. And I know a lot of nonprofits that work directly with people, that work with government organizations that are really feeling the effects of that if you work, I always seem to use T-Mobile and Verizon for some reason. I don't know why, but if you work at certain for-profit organizations, you can be a little, you can be a little more disconnected from it. But if you work in a nonprofit and you're working with individuals and clients that are directly affected by climate change, you can feel it because the hurt and the pain uh, is legit. You're seeing this right now in a lot of places in California and Florida where a lot of insurance companies, of course, they're more closely tied to it. But a lot of insurance companies are saying, hey, we're not insuring you anymore. You can build new houses. We're not going to insure new houses. And some of them are just saying, you know what? We just don't have the ability to pay for the claims. So they're backing out. And you know how I feel about insurance companies. We could talk about that legal scam another (laughs) day. Listen, we you want to spade a spade, you know, we're, we're going to call it what it is. And, and so look, I say all that to say, this is a very interesting uh, read, very short. You can check out the full study as well. I'm going to put this in the show notes because I think a lot of people that are listening to this, you are nonprofits, and you know for a fact that, that this climate change is, is real because it's affecting not only your community, but your nonprofit as well. Listen up, listen. I've been talking about this for a while now. I don't do guests on the nonprofit insider podcast. Not because I don't love people. I love I love people. I enjoy people, but look, when you when you got technology and you're trying to interview people, it can get pretty crazy. So I knew my first guest was going to be in person. I can't think of a better person than this person. So we have a very special guest. Again, not just any guest, the very first guest in the Nonprofit Insider Podcast history, Emily Cronin. Emily, good morning. How are you?
1: Good morning, Swim. It's great to be here on the Nonprofit Insider Podcast. Um, my name is Emily Cronin. I'm the Community Engagement Specialist for Crossroads for Women, a local Albuquerque nonprofit. Um and I'm just so excited to be here and to be able to talk about what we need to talk about and tell you this really funny <laughs> story. <laughs> yes, and listen, like
0: I said, we're not going to talk about because, listen, we, we were messing around earlier. I was trying to do the Mac, trying to set it up on the Mac computer, trying to set it up on the iPad. At one point, we were going to do it on the phone, but we said, screw it. We're just going to share one mic. So if it sounds a little bit different than what you're used to as an insider, you've listened to some of our previous episodes, we, we appreciate you uh, being here. Now, now, Emily, I, I want to get into this because, okay. listen, you, you've you been in the nonprofit space for about a year. Mm-hmm. I'm very curious to learn a lot about that because a lot of our listeners may not remember what that first year was like as an yeah. employee. But before we get into that, tell us, you work with Crossroads Albuquerque. What is Crossroads? What do you do? Just give us a little bit of an insight here.
1: For sure. Um, to be an insider... <laughs> Um, Crossroads for Women, our mission is to provide wraparound services to women who are emerging out of incarceration. So we are providing housing assistance, vocational assistance, the basic needs, food, hygiene, clothing. We also have a peer drop-in center for any woman who is unhoused to come in and receive services such as groups, food, clothing, and hygiene. Um, We do have more specific programs for certain criteria. It just really depends. If you want more information, you can obviously check out our website. But um, most of what I do is um, I go out and seek fundraising opportunities. I help plan events. I uh, do volunteer coordinating. And I also um, am in in charge of our in-kind donation as well. Oh, wow. I mean, this
0: sounds like Crossroads has a little bit of a... It's a little bit of a catch-all. It's doing like a lot of things for, yes. for women in community.
1: Yeah, so that's the very, like, one of our core pillars is to provide these wraparound services because um, the issues and uh, instances that lead you into incarceration usually is the result of trauma. And when it's, and we serve women because there's gender-specific trauma that leads mm-hmm. us into incarceration. So um, we provide wraparound services to not just throw somebody out with no support, because we need to be a community. Mm -hmm. And being incarcerated in itself is traumatizing, not to mention the trauma that led a person there. So Mm -hmm. we really try to be the catch-all and to provide women the support to lead these healthy and successful, fulfilling lives for themselves and for their children. Yeah, it's and all about... And children, too. Yeah, so we're all about breaking those generational cycles because typically um, we see it run in families almost. And um, that's why we are about like family reunification. We do a lot of family-centered events. And we just try to create a positive and safe experience for women and for them to bring their children, to.
0: Absolutely. And I'm putting crossroadsabq.org. That's the website you can go to. I'm going to put that in the show notes so people get a chance to check out Uh, some of the work that they're doing because it's some really impressive stuff. And it's funny because your main location is not too far from where I live here, just south of UNM. And it's one of those things where nonprofits are all over our local communities and we could pass by a building every day and not even really know it.
1: Right. No, (laughs) actually, yeah. Um, Before I got into Crossroads for Women, I would drive down Martin Luther King heading downtown. Mm -hmm. You know, there's Loveless Hospital on one side and Crossroads for Women on the left. And I, I thought we were a women's health clinic. Uh, and it wasn't until I got wor- the work-study job through UNM that um, I realized what, what all we do. So um, it's re- been a really amazing experience. I've learned so much. And, yeah, I'm really excited to talk more about it.
0: Yeah, I want to get into – yeah, I definitely want to get into some more insights into, of course, you as a person and your time in the nonprofit space. But I am curious to learn a little bit more about Crossroads because, again, I'd never even heard of it until – I learned you were working there. So you said they, they do in-kind donations. Of course, you're going out soliciting people to donate their, their cash and things like that. Mm-hmm. What are some of the things that you all take in or that you're... you're Because you do, like, donations, right?
1: Yeah, certainly. Um, so our biggest need right now is food, and that's just kind of across the board from non for nonprofits right now. Food scarcity is just a really big issue we're facing as mm-hmm. um, inflation drives those prices up, but... Um, You know, I always suggest if you know you're going out of town, you have something perishable and you have a nonprofit down the street, call them and see if they have a refrigerator and they could give that food out. And so that way we're reducing food waste and, you know, providing more of a communal community. (laughs) (laughs) communal community.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Listen, if you listen to this podcast, every other word I break up. So, Yeah, yeah, I didn't even think about that. If you have food that's potentially perishable. That's an option for folks.
1: Yes, and well, it depends on the nonprofit. But of for course. at Crossroads for Women, we do have a large refrigerator where we can take perishable items. So uh, we've had salads delivered. Those pre-made salads go oh. out so quickly; it's amazing. And you know, lettuce, fruit is something that's so popular because it's not something that a lot of um, people who are unhoused or who are struggling have access to mm-hmm. you know maybe you get a orange or a banana at the gas station like i know that that's becoming more of a yes more of a site that you see but largely it's you know it's canned goods it's yes. dry goods mm-hmm. that's what you think, it's though. salts it's a lot of you know preservatives as well so having something that's fresh and like delicious is something that's going to like go very quickly and typically we're not going to be wasting it
0: I think what's very, you know, it's super funny because I think we've all moved before. Yeah. And you have this eight-year-old vacuum and you're like, maybe I should donate it. But then it could get kind of tricky, right? You might not want the old picture frames of grandma and it's cracked. There's got to be some rules here. There's got to be some limitations to what can actually be donated, right?
1: Yeah, certainly. So, um... For Crossroads for Women, we take a seasonal, durable, non-stained, non-torn clothing. Um, we don't really accept clothing with holes in it, even if they're fashionable holes, because typically people are unhoused and they're living outside. They don't need clothing that um, promotes that image, because that's not the image they're trying to promote. When somebody might be making a fashion statement with that, that's one thing. But for our clientele, that doesn't really work. They need something that's... Durable. that's going to keep them warm, that's going to present well so that people aren't, you know, stigmatizing them as well. So I always try to think of, we all have heard that statistic, like you're one failed paycheck away from homelessness. Mm -hmm. We're all, I don't know, a lot of people are living paycheck to paycheck or negative paycheck to paycheck right now. And you just got to think of how close you are to that line and what you would want and how you would want people to treat you. And, you know, obviously... There's mental health and there's um, substance abuse issues in there as well, but um, just spreading a little bit of kindness is certainly like the most important thing. But Mm -hmm. uh, to get into the specifics, um, it's best to just call the nonprofit or check out their website, their social media. There's usually something that'll have um, their current donation needs, but unfortunately, a lot of nonprofits are also understaffed, so you might best best thing is to do is to call and ask and you know um i think it's very important to stay within those guidelines and to make sure that these things are clean that these things are not broken that these things are functional so that way you're not throwing things away with extra steps
0: super. Yeah, I remember many years ago reading an article, and I think a lot of people, when they think of donation nonprofits, one of the big ones they think of is, of course, Goodwill, right? Yeah. And I remember reading an article, it might have been on NPR or something like that, that said, when a lot of people may not realize that when they donate to Goodwill and they can't use those items, they have to pay to properly discard those items. Yes. That can rack up really fast. And if you're a 501c3 and you're trying to do local good and you have a... Two hundred thousand dollar bill to to take out the trash. Again, that can rack up fast. So calling ahead, it sounds so simple, but that's that's something I didn't even think about. Just call ahead. And say, hey, can I donate this? And they say yeah or nay.
1: Yeah, and you know, um, usually if I if the answer is no for me when I'm, when people call me and ask, I usually try to sell them somewhere else they can take that item, mm-hmm. or um, where they can dispose of the electronics, especially if it's something that's not quite functional. Um, Usually we don't know until the item's already been processed and put sure. into our system and everything, but, you know, luckily, um, I think people are trying to be more conscientious and give with good intention. I mean, 99% of our donations are perfect. You know, they're right. they're clean, they're very durable, They some of them are very, like, fashionable and in style and clean so that these women can go to job interviews and feel confident and be able to talk about, like where they're going and see where they can go and how far they can go and um, it's very empowering to see that Um, but we also see home goods so we get things um, like electronics clock radios are very popular pots and pans we get um, dishes bedding and you know small art things can really brighten up a space especially if you're in a studio and you might not have a television but You know, you have some games, you have some puzzles to do, you know, there's a lot of different things that people can get interested in and people can donate. So um, again, I just really recommend that people check out uh, websites.
0: Check out the website Crossroads One more time CrossroadsABQ.org. And it's funny because you have a non-profit horror story. We're gonna get to that here in in about (laughs) two, three, four minutes. So stick around for that for you insiders that are listening to today's episode. I want to talk about that, but I am curious to learn learn I told you I I do all the time. I'm curious to learn a little bit more about you, Emily, because you've been in this space for a year now, Mm -hmm. the nonprofit space, crossroads. Again, it, for a lot of people that have been in this space, that first year can kind of feel like a whirlwind in so many respects. How are you feeling? How are things going? What are your observations being in the nonprofit space after a full, a full year?
1: Yeah. Um, so there is a lot of pride I have in working in, at, for a nonprofit because um, it's different when you're making a lower wage when you're doing it for good versus when you know your company's making billions of dollars and you're making nothing. I know them Crossroads isn't, you know, we're a non-profit. We're kind of evening out. Mm-hmm. We can always use more monetary donations. Obviously, You know, every non going to say that, of course. Of course. Um, and that is my job is to get those funds. Um, but, you know, there is monetary value in the in-kind donations and in saving us money by buying cleaning supplies for us or buying paper goods, toilet paper, paper towels, that kind of stuff racks up, you know? But um, I feel that I did kind of get thrown in because the person before me left, um, and they didn't leave suddenly. They, they had a month's notice, and um, it just, the interviewed process took that long, right? Because, you know, you have to meet a lot of different people, and you have to... Um, you know, make sure that there's a board because not just one person will interview our candidates. We'll have several different department heads or different leaders um, interview somebody so that there's more than one opinion, and that we can make sure that they're a good fit. Absolutely. So, yeah, and um, I think the one of the most important things is patience Ooh. and realizing that we're all human. We're all trying our best, and at least at Crossroads, we all so passionately believe in the mission mm. that we're all working hard to make things happen and unfortunately just because of how medical system works how the you know the city planning services work how everything kind of comes together there are certain things that take time people need to review things but we need to check on things there has been hundreds of years of people not checking on things and that leading to fraud and leading to nonprofit spaces taking advantage of people that they're supposed to be serving. So there are all these checks and balances in place to make sure that the clients in the community is served properly. So um yeah, I think being patient and being, you know, collaborative is the biggest, biggest thing that Absolutely. I've learned. And I mean, okay. yeah, I like it.
0: Patience. I Listen, I, I would not have thought that as, as one that you might suggest, but patience, it, it definitely goes a long way uh, in this space. One of my very first episodes, I don't know if you had a chance uh, to listen to it, very, very first episode we did was about the average compensation of people in the mm. nonprofit space, mm-hmm. 55338 It's a number that really sticks out to me. From the Borough Labor of Statistics because it's one that we know being in this industry is just simply too low yeah. for the amount of work we are asked to do. Certainly. And so much respect to you, Emily, and some of the things that you be working on. And I am very curious to hear because you the reason why you're even here is we were hanging out and you said, oh, I have... I have this story, it's about donations in this space, it's kind of a horror story, and you were getting ready to start telling it. I said, no, 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 no. I want to listen to it live <laughs> on the show so that our audience gets gets a chance to listen to it. You got to tell us. What is this not Tell us our non horror story for the day. <laughs> I will,
1: I will. All right, so um, when I was first starting um, in my position, I was still getting volunteers to come in and do donation sorting. Okay. So... Um, I was doing a lot of the donation sorting myself, and as well as my other duties. And one day, I'm back there, and one of my coworkers brings this beautiful laundry basket full of goods. Beautifully folded, clean shirts. They, I could see some hygiene products, and then I could see a box of electronics at the very bottom. So I'm excited. I'm going through everything. And I could tell that these things might have belonged to, you know... An older woman, probably somewhere between 40 and 70. I know that's quite a range, but <laughs> okay, we all have okay. different styles. That's true. Um, and then, you know, I get through and I finally get to this box of electronics. And I'm like, oh, wow, like there's a lot of like kind of vintage-y things in here. You know, a clock radio from the 80s. There was, um, there was an old iHome. Uh, dock thing in there. You know, there was just these different things and then uh, an old style curling iron. That one that has all the hair things that poke out of it. Oh yeah, I use that all the time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I wish you guys could see what I'm doing with my hands. (laughs) But, um, you know, just different products and then finally I get and I pull out this silver elongated plastic thing and it says um, I can't remember what the brand was, but it implied something about a massage tool. And I was like, interesting. And I ran my finger along the back of it and turned it on. And it started vibrating in a very strong manner. And I had noticed at that moment that what I was holding was sticky. Stop. 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 I screamed. I scrumped. And I dropped it and I dropped it, and I didn't know quite how to go from here. I put on some gloves, picked it up, and tossed it away because it had been used. <laughs> Stop
0: it. I'm so glad I waited for
1: this. What? I am too. Yes, and so. Now I was in a dilemma because my coworker who brought in this laundry basket said, oh yes, I brought this in for you. And I assume, and so this coworker, she was the programs director. So she's pretty high up in the company and she's somebody I really respect. She's hilarious. She is amazing at her job. Like I, like I would want Celeste to be my caseworker, but anyways, um, So I'm kind of trying to think of how I can collaboratively say, "Hey, I think you accidentally gave your vibrator into our donations." And so I'm like, "All right." So I pull I with my gloves on, pull it out of the trash can, and take a picture of it to you know be like, "Oh, I think you forgot this," so that I didn't have to say it out loud. So I'm piping myself up, and I'm in the donation area, and I'm I'm like, "Okay, let's go." I like practice what I was gonna say so many times. And I go to her office to tell her, you know, about this. I knock on her door and she's like, hey, what's up? You know, not, I'm like, okay, she obviously doesn't know what's in there. Oh, dear God. And it's, it's in, from the 90s, 80s. This, this thing was very old. So I was like, man, you've had this for a while. Like, not really calculating her age in my mind, of okay. course. Because she is not in the age range I described. She is much younger than that. So Where is this going? <laughs> so listen. So I go into her office and I say, hey, I, I have to bring up something to you. Can I close the door? And she says, yeah. And she gets immediately anxious. And so I'm like, I have to show you something um, from the donations that you that you brought in. And she goes, oh, I didn't donate those. Those were outside. And I brought them into the annex to you and immediately waves of release of relief oh. crash over me i am so i'm like oh my god okay <laughs> and she goes wait why are you so freaked out like what was in there so i i show her the picture and she starts dying laughing because she knew the person who dropped them off it is um, an elderly funder of Crossroads, who I will, I don't even know her name. I did not want to know. I don't. It's fine. I hope she doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> um, so, yes, yeah, so one of our funders accidentally, hopefully, accidentally donated her toy that she's probably been using since her kids left home.
0: Well, one, shout out to this funder. <laughs> uh, what we do in our private lives is our business Absolutely. but very uh,
1: <laughs> yes. and definitely it's, not something
0: that should be donating
1: no and you know it's one thing if it's unopened completely unused maybe I would put it in the hygiene closet uh, and make it you know you know make it a prize or something because yeah I can kind of see how people be like oh well obviously they don't get any in prison <laughs> I, I think they might but that's a whole other thing. Um so Okay. So okay. I, that I, was that was my horror story. It was please don't be so weird that you donate your <laughs> vibrator on purpose or on accident. Thank I you. Just,
0: that, I, I, I think out of all of that, everyone listening definitely has that moment where you're holding it with your bare hands and you're like, oh. <laughs> I made a huge mistake at this point. That, that's where the horror for me really begins. You're like, oh, I gotta wash my hands.
1: I yeah, I, I i did wash my hands. I didn't put that in the story, but yes, I did immediately wash my hands. and, and
0: I again, you said ninety nine percent of all the things that are doing it are usually pretty decent. they're, yeah. they're pretty good. I yeah. can imagine that one percent for a lot of different organizations out there can be very, very interesting. So thank you for sharing. That. Yes, that's really.
1: Wow. Yep. yep. The only other part of that one percent would also be the um, used underwear. Don't no, do not, just do not. E- Please. The
0: liberal leaves my body even at that point. No <laughs> one, you don't need to recycle all of that stuff. That's just too much. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, hold on. Th- that was a really great story, actually. I, again, I'm very glad we waited to, <laughs> to to share that. There are there's so many again crossroads abq.org. Check out the website. See some of the things that they're doing. They're doing some really positive things in the community. And Emily, you're at the forefront in so many ways of an amazing wave of people entering the nonprofit space. So we really appreciate you being able to stop through and share some insights. Other things that are on your mind, other things that you want to share with with our listeners?
1: Yeah. So um, we are rolling right into the holidays and crossroads for women. We have a lot of Back to back to back events, and we could really use some um, donations to make these events very popular and very um, successful for the women that we serve. So, these are all events that are for the women. They're not fundraisers per se, but more drives. So, um, on October 24th, we are having our Halloween event. We do a carnival for the women and um, games, and we vote on the best costume. We give out prizes. We give out food. We could really use um, food donations for that. You know, the nacho stuff, s'more stuff. Um, we could use candy. We, always, we love candy all year yeah. round. <laughs> but um, we also really could use some coats and monetary donations for that because the big part of this event is that it's a coat drive. We make sure that all of our women and their families have coats for the winter so that if they are out and about they are warm they are dry and they are comfortable um so if you guys feel compelled and you really want to help out this holiday season a coat is a wonderful wonderful holiday gift and um after that we're rolling right into our thanksgiving Mm -hmm. and we will have a food drive as well all of the um we are actually hosting a meal this year instead of doing food boxes we want to bring our community in we want to feed them a good meal we want to be able to provide takeaway meals so we could really use funds for that so that we can purchase the food make it and distribute it to our women and make sure that they all have a wonderful wonderful Thanksgiving
0: well I'm definitely in if I have the ability to I'd love to be able to participate and I got I got to do some donations to Crossroads, and so we've got sponsors now officially here on the Nonprofit Insider Podcast, and so we got to spread the love around to the community. So we appreciate uh, the Duke City Story Slam for being a sponsor of today's episode and being being supportive. So we're gonna keep it going. All right, well, yeah, thank, thank you. you. Any any final words, Emily?
1: Um, just be kind to each other and do good wherever you can.
0: Absolutely. All right, this has been honestly, just such a fun time. Whenever you get the ability to do things in person after so many years away, uh, you just have a really good time. So thank you again for Emily Cronin for being on the episode. Be sure to check out CrossroadsABQ.org. I have it in the show notes. This is your opportunity to see what's happening in the greater Duke City area. We love Albuquerque. We'll see you on the next episode. Happy Halloween, everyone. Take care.